This is the third and last week of uh, a series we've been simply calling The Revolution. Uh, we talked about Jesus, the revolutionary. We talked about Jesus and Peter, this revolutionary relationship and friendship. And today we're going to talk about the revolutionary, uh, not just an idea, but it was the entire strategy that Jesus had, and that is community. That the church would become a community, and that community would spread all over the world. And here we are 2,000 years later. And we can see communities all over the world worshiping Jesus Christ. Now, that's mind-blowing to me, to think that right now, all across the world, there are communities just like this, and they're worshiping Christ. That is revolutionary. And that's what we're going to get in today. And before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it's an honor to be here this morning and our worship this morning that just uh, lifts our hearts to your throne. And Lord, we're just so grateful for your power that was demonstrated not with hate, but your love every day demonstrated in love. Lord, I pray for this community that we can experience your power and that we can take that power to our neighbors, to our friends, where we work. And Lord, we can begin to change the communities around us. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Now, as we get into this whole idea of a revolutionary community and what these communities mean, uh, there is a word, you've probably picked up on it throughout the entire day, and it's the word power. Have you ever thought about that word power and what it means? Politicians, we know that, pursue power in so many ways, and sometimes their motives aren't necessarily pure. There's examples of power in nature. Uh, as you know, I'm kind of a nerd about documentaries, and so I was watching a documentary on Mount St. Helen. Now, I realize that some of you in the room don't even know what Mount St. Helen is. Maybe for some of you, that's who you took to the senior prom. I don't know. But anyway, this was an amazing, an amazing occurrence, Mount St. Helen. Now, here's what happened. On May 18th, uh, 1980, uh, there was an eruption, but not just any eruption. When Mount St. Helen blew, it shot a plume of smoke 15 miles high. It had the sheer force of 500 atomic bombs. And in less than nine minutes, the lava that came pouring out, mixing with the glacier ice in nine minutes, completely annihilated 230 square miles, killing everything in its path. That is an example of power. Now, on a personal note, Many of us have experienced this kind of power. Uh, Claudia Mitchell, a good friend of mine, a minister at Sherwood Oaks, uh, talks about the power of the mother bear. Now, anybody know what the power of a mama bear is? Yeah. Or Claudia always says, you don't poke mama bear. So I read this little, uh, it's not a Hallmark card, but I read this the other day, I kind of liked it. It said, I may seem quiet and reserved, but if you mess with my children... I will break out a level of crazy that will make your nightmare seem like a happy place. <laughs> How many here have ever experienced Mama Bear? Anyone? Yeah. I'll take Mount St. Helen over <laughs> Mama Bear. All of us know and have experienced power. But there's power in community. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today, that there is power when we are together with one heart in Jesus Christ. Margaret Mead said this, never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And it's true. 
When you get a small group of committed people, amazing things can happen. That's why this week we're going to draw a line from Jesus to the church. We're going to paint a picture of the power of the resolution and the revolution and the power of community. So we're going to talk about it. So that word power, I'm not big on acronyms, uh, but this morning that's what we're going to do. Hopefully this will stick. And first of all, it's just what does the letter P mean? When you're talking about the church and it's simply prayer. Prayer. In your bulletins, if you want to write these scriptures down, Acts 1, 11 through 14. I want you to listen. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Jesus had just ascended. This same Jesus who you've taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives on the Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. Those present were Peter and John and James, and he goes through the disciples. But look at verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, I want you to see exactly how the church started. It didn't start with a huge strategy session. Uh, there wasn't a leadership summit conference uh, how did the church start? Anybody? Did you pick that up? Prayer. They went to a room, and they begged God for the next steps. And I'll tell you, that's what churches need to get back to, is to realize how important prayer really is. Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. In other words, prayer isn't something we do before the main event. Prayer is the main event. Uh, when we started here, I'm so thankful for the leaders who stepped up and throughout the service and after the service and throughout the service, we just want to bathe everything we do in prayer. And Greg Anderson mentioned last week, and this is so encouraging, that when you put prayer requests at these tables, they don't just go on some random prayer list. Uh, within 24 hours, those are distributed to everybody on the prayer team, and they are actively praying. Why? Because prayer matters that's the first step for every church. There is an area church that was going through a struggle, and a brother in Christ that I contacted to see how he was doing, and he said, we have a strategy. Our church is heartbroken, but we have committed over a week to a prayer revival, and we've opened the church up the same time every night, and we are just going to beg God for reconciliation and for guidance and for next steps. Isn't that how every church ought to begin? Anything, anything that is big on the radar always begin with prayer. Now, i got to be honest, this is something I'm working on. And so many times I'm like, if I can just come up with another strategy, another idea, if I can just read another book, sometimes I just sense God saying, why don't you just put away the books? Why don't you just prayerfully get in the book and then let me take care of this? Prayer. Oh, obedience to God's word. Now, we all know I call this the greatest mission statement of all time. And of course, I'm talking about Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's read verse 20 together. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. 
Let's try that again. You're a little weak on this end. Okay, so here we go with me. Okay, ready? And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now think about that. First of all, Jesus said, what is the mission of the church? What's the mission? Make disciples. And then he tells you how. How do we do that? You teach them the word of God. You teach them what Jesus taught us. Now, here's what I love about Jesus and how he treasured the word of God. Jesus quoted the Old Testament a minimum of 72 times. And then they did this research in the Blue Letter Bible. There are over 845 Old Testament references in the New Testament. Now, think about that. That shows you how powerful the Word of God is. That Jesus never strayed from the Word of God. We should never, as a community, stray from the Word of God. Now, again, there's a lot of great books, and uh, there's a lot of wisdom out there, but there is nothing like this Word. So my challenge today is, are you in the Word? Because this is the power right here. The power of God's inspired Word. Are you in the Word? That's why Wednesday night, the whole foundation of what we're doing, uh, with all ages, uh, with our women, with our men, with our kids, is we want to show everyone that this book, God's Word, is relevant for our lives. So please check out Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. The W of power is simply this, witness. And I want you to think about this very powerful verse in Revelations 12, 11. It says, they overcame him, that being Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Did you catch that in Revelation? How did the church spread so rapidly? How do we know that we can defeat Satan? Did you catch that? Because of the blood of the Lamb, and what else? The testimony, our testimony, their testimony, our story, their stories matter. Even to the face of death, they shared their stories. I cannot tell you how important your story is, no matter what your story is. For some of you, you've got some brokenness in your life. Uh, you've got some days of regret. Uh, uh, I remember years ago, I was sharing with somebody, um, can you imagine, uh, they say in a year's time, if they recorded everything you did, even in a year, there'd be like 200 pages easy of a book, if your life was a book. But imagine your life as a book, okay? First of all, how many would have pages in that book you'd rip out right now? Anyone? Am I the only one? Yeah, we'd go through, man, I want, no, not that story. I don't want anybody to know that story. Now, here's the deal. We all have those stories, but that's part of our story. We all have things we regret. We all have seasons of shame, but our story matters because you know what we find out when we share our story? That we're not alone. And they were so obsessed with sharing their story because at the end of their story, they always had the same ending. You know what it was? Jesus. Even to the point of, if you share his name, we will kill you. And they said, then kill me because it's Jesus. What a story. This week in our staff meeting, we had a gentleman who's the chaplain at the Bloomington Hospital. 
And uh, he was getting ready to wrap up. It was, just a, oh, it was just a great talk on the importance of listening and being present. And uh, Tom Ellsworth asked a great question. He said, you have been with people uh, that have been battling death for years. I mean, you've been right there at the bedside. Is there one instance, situation that just stands out to you? And he paused. He goes, boy, that's a good question. And he said, well, it wasn't long ago that there was a woman... And as I went in that morning to pray with her, and there was nobody else there, no family, uh, I knew that this surgery was so serious that she may not come out of the surgery. She knew it was that serious. And he said, so how are you doing today? And she said, you know, a few days ago, I just couldn't take it. But she said, last night, God did something for me that I'm so grateful for. She said, I lost a child years ago. And she said, I've never got over that. But last night in a dream, my child was an adult. And he came to me, he said, he was just surrounded in light. And he came to me and he said, Mom, it's going to be all right. And someday, I can't wait for you to come home. So she said, you know, whatever happens today, that's all right. I think that's what God does with our stories. I think mean, God takes our stories and it allows us to help other people realize that they're not alone. You all have a story. Out of revelation comes crying out this story of Jesus healing them. We have a story. The E is simply this, exalting the hope of Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Don't you love that? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. The early church, uh, you've heard me share this before, that the symbol that they clung to when they would carve out symbols, they had the fish, but we always assume it must be the cross. Well, they didn't put the cross on the catacomb walls. Anybody know what the symbol was? The symbol was an anchor. Why? Because an anchor symbolized that when the storms of life come, there is hope. I mean, I just picture these early believers uh, when they would gather in their homes, now I, I mean, imagine this. They would gather together, and they knew a week from right now, they would always think in their minds, a week from now, we may not even be here. Some of us may be persecuted. Some of us may be killed. So we need a hope in our lives. We need an anchor in our lives. The early church understood the power of community driven by hope in a hopeless world. And there are times, doesn't this world seem hopeless? I mean, seriously, you pick up the newspaper and you're like, oh my land, could it get any more hopeless? But no, no, we, just, we are to spur each other on. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 uh, is a text that every preacher loves to camp on. Uh, and here's why. In verse 25, it says, do not, do not forsake the assembly like some have done. In other words, uh, pardon the French, get your butts to church. I mean, now every preacher lands on it. Get, go, get out of bed. Go to church. And that's what, but here's the deal. That's not what that scripture's talking about. It's not talking about church attendance. Uh, you know what it's talking about? We need each other. And the reason we need each other is, I love verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope of Jesus Christ. So we come together, and some of us are bruised, and we're beaten, 
and it was hard to get here, but you realize you're part of a community. And there'll be somebody there to encourage you and to spur you on and to, to just give you hope. Church is never about showing up for attendance. Church is about how you can invest in somebody else that needs you. That's what the church is all about. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then last of all, just R. Now, this seems simple, but it's profound, and that's simply the word relationships. Relationships drive the revolution. Look at Acts chapter 2. You've heard this text so many times, but uh, I want you to listen carefully of the early community, and I want you to see what motivated them. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together, and everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What is going on there? Relationships. They reached out to each other. They had everything in common. They shared their possessions. They shared their fervent love for Jesus Christ. They became a community. There's a website entitled Community Matters. I love this quote. It says, our community connects us and gives us our sense of place. Living in a community means being part of something bigger than oneself. Isn't that what we love about community? Is that when we're together, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. I want to share an important picture with you. Uh, It's an interesting place. Uh, I grew up in a very small church. A big Sunday was about 120 people. Matter of fact, we had to, I bet some of you can relate. They would post the, they had this little board, they would post the hymns, and at the bottom they had record attendance. And the record attendance was 220. I think it was an Easter Sunday, and I remember as a kid thinking, 220 people, that's ridiculous. I mean, I remember thought that was so big. And that little church, I can't even tell you what that little church means to me. It's the church where I grew up. It's the church that just was so loving and patient with this really obnoxious little kid. It's the church where I was baptized. And it's the church where I preached my first sermon. They called it a sermon. I'm not sure what I would have called that first thing I rolled out. And I remember the day when my sister called and she said, we've done everything we can and we're down to just a handful of people and we're going to have to sell the church. And I remember I just was sick. And I remember the service. Heather, I know you guys have just been through this. I remember the Saturday uh, when it was the last official gathering, and uh, oh my land, it just broke my heart. It was like a death. And the coolest thing is, now there is another church there, a totally different type of church, but man, they are just doing everything they can to reach the community. And then I realized that I grew up with this stupid little riddle that I realized is so wrong. And let me let me re- refresh the riddle for you and see if some of you remember this thing. Remember the little thing? Put your 
fingers together. Here's the church. Say it with me, would you? Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Look at all the people. And then I realized, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So here's, here's I got a rewrite on this. Here, here it is. Ready? Here's the church. You don't need a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. It's not a building. It never was, and it never will be. So now when I drive by this special place, I don't look at it and go, oh, I miss my church, because that's not the church. It's brick, and it's martyr. And you know what's helped me to realize that more and more? There's a little place called the Amvets. It has a disco ball. We pray in a bar. The guys pray and worship and do Bible studies in a bar. Uh, they meet upstairs in a loft, and the women come out, and it must be 100 degrees out there because they tell me that every Wednesday night. You know, I mean, what is going on? This makes no sense that a building like this can be a church. Well, here's the deal. It's not a building. You are the church. You're the church. You're the community that can change this community. That is the revolution. You are a part of the revolution because of the community together. What you can do together is beyond comprehension. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's why. You know what that is? That's power. That's power. Let me pray for you. God, we come here this morning, and we want your spirit in our lives. We want to experience your power. We want to experience the freedom that we have in you. You are, you are the anchor of our soul. You're the hope. And Lord, this community, this community can change the community around us, Lord, when we realize the power of working together. Lord, thank you for those early believers, their example, and their drive to surrender everything for you. Lord, help us to have that spirit in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.